Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 309 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, coming to you solo again. Unfortunately, Fong is busy um, and will not be able to join us. Uh, hopefully, he will be able to do it uh, next episode. We'll we'll just see how the schedule points out. Our schedules are a bit hectic. It's not just uh, the NBA that's uh, a bit busy during this time of year. Also, we are, but I'm able to come to you today. And uh, the reason why is because, well, the draft just ended. The dust has settled uh, on that front. Now it shifts to the other, which is free agency, which is going to officially start this Friday, the 30th. I'm recording this on the 26th. It is 9 p.m. right now. And uh, yeah, there's been some news. There hasn't been an immense amount of news. Um, but I do want to talk about the free agency class and what the Kings could do um, in this uh, kind of what, what they're going to do this year in 2023 free agency. So the main need that the Kings need is that they need, I, in my opinion, they need a forward. They need a wing and preferably someone who's 6'10 can space the floor and play some defense. It's a lot to ask, but, you know, you got to dream big, right, um, in order to be able to achieve big. And I assume the Kings have something in mind. And uh, here's just some options that I wanted to go over. Originally, I wanted to go over this with Fong. Like, you know, ha I had a list for him, and I wanted to ask him, like, what he thought of these uh, free agents, these restricted free agents, these... Uh, maybe un unrestricted free agents or yeah, like there, there's a variety of guys I was going to ask him about. I guess I'm going to just ask myself this today um, about these free agents that I've kind of keyed in on. Um, I ha I did read through uh, James Ham's latest article where he had 10 forwards, but I have my own list as well. And I just want to kind of throw them out there. So let, let's just get that started. So, well, before we actually get started, um, it's important to note that uh, the Kings have, well, they would, if they waive everyone's rights, everyone who's a free, um, an impending free agent, like Jamezi Metu, Trey Lyles, uh, Terrence Davis, and who else, who else has a cap? I don't think anyone else, oh, um, Kessler Edwards and uh, PJ Dozier. They waive all those guys. They would have, I believe, $35.6 million worth of cap space. Now, I, I have read around that the Kings are unlikely to um, to waive um, Trey Lyles' option because his cap hold is only like $2.6 or something like that. If you don't know how a cap hold works, basically, if you like so here's how it works when you have a cap hold on someone you have what's you have access to what's called bird rights and bird rights are basically it basically says that you can go over the cap to sign them so harrison barnes has i believe a 28 million dollar cap hold so without waiving him the kings really only have about like single digit millions like seven million let me do my math 28 million. So yeah, but around a $7 million cap hold, they waive everyone else. So they either have to re-sign Harrison to a certain number, or they have to just straight up waive him. I don't know if like waiving him is a, is a good term, but like he, they basically have to release his cap hold by essentially releasing him. Now you might ask like, why don't they just release him and get that cap space? If they release him, they don't have their, they don't have their uh, cap. They don't, 
they don't have his bird rights, meaning they cannot go over the cap to re-sign him. Now, of course, they could just waive him, um, waive his rights and still re-sign him because the Kings ha would have like, what, a good 30 million to re-sign him. You don't really want to do that <laughs> of with Harrison Barnes because, you know, to be honest, he's not worth 30 million in my opinion. Wild take right there. Um, but you're probably better off like keeping him on the books getting an agreement from someone and then kind of working from working kind of backwards and just re-signing Barnes to whatever deal after that. Like there's a, there's an order you have to do things to utilize the, uh, the cap space. Uh, it's weirdly complicated. I'm not going to get too into it. And I would, I would fall asleep, um, you know, listening to myself talk about this. I, I tried to listen to James Ham's podcast where he explained all the options with like extending Sabonis. I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ, I'm falling asleep. Anyways, Kings have Kings if they waive Trey Lyles, Harrison Barnes, um, Metu, Kessler Edwards, Terrence Davis, and PJ Dozier would have thirty five point six million dollars. They would be the third. They would have the third uh, highest cap space behind San Antonio and Houston. Now, originally, I believe OKC and Utah were above them. Uh, OKC um, and they trade or they traded for Davis Berton, so that ate up a lot of their cap space. So they're only left with eighteen point five million. And Utah today, you know, they finally did it. They got they they finally stole um, John Collins away from the Atlanta Hawks, and that saga is finally over. I personally would have loved John Collins on this team. Like the fit might not have been perfect because he's not really a defensive player. And I just think you need a little bit more defense around um, Domas, but that guy's good on offense. He's, he's a, he can space the floor. He can go up for lobs and he's also a dog. Like the, like I, the, the 20, well, yeah, the 2021 playoffs kind of just showed me that he, ha he has a lot of fuck you to, to, to his game. Like I, I'll never get this image out of my head where I think P, I think a PJ Tucker was all over him on one possession in the post. And, you know, if you watch PJ Tucker, you're not moving that man in the post. He will get up in you. He will make you feel uncomfortable and he will try to punk you. John Collins, you know, facing all that pressure just hits a shot right in his face. Kind of just as a fuck you to him. Like, you know, you're, you're what five inches shorter than me. I'm just going to shoot over you. Like there, there's a dog in there. There's a lot of instigation and the Kings just kind of, I just feel need that type of personality on their team and preferably on a guy that's, you know, going to be on the floor. And I just thought he would have been great, but he is now off the board. And because Utah took him off the board, they now, they only have $12 million uh, um, of cap space, basically the equivalent of the mid-level exception. So they're going to probably be out of the race for, you know, big fish hunting. So the Kings have a lot of cap space. So this is just a list of forwards, um, just the the position mostly of need that the Kings, I, just, I feel like they just need to fill. So here are just, here's just a list of guys I would really like. And I'll just kind of go over them, give them a, give a brief summary of why I would like these guys and how I feel they would fit. So um, Kyle Kuzma, he's been much maligned. Um, he He's, you know, he's a good player. Like he, he's, he's been kind of, you know, during the champ, uh, the Laker championship year, like he was a legit, like good player on, on a championship team. Like he wasn't like, you know, like he wasn't like a star or anything, but he played his role. He played defense. He, you know, he hit, he hit some shots 
And yeah, like that's basically a lot of what you need on a winning team. And, you know, he's huge. He's 6'9", 6'10". He rebounds well. He you know, he can score the assists isn't the assist um, percent or the assist um, totals aren't great by any means, but you know, it, I think in a more motion heavy offense, maybe he can be unlocked in that way. But overall, like what I like about him is that, you know, he's a big body. He's a guy that has proven that he can, he can contribute to a winner and, you know, he can go get buckets. The Kings do the Kings, like, you know, even though they were the best offense of all, of all time, statistically, they, if you watch them, they struggled a lot when Sabonis was off the floor. And there were moments where they would just go on cold streaks. And I think just having another creator, like, would just do wonders for this team. Like, Malik is great as that third creator, but you basically have two, like, really great, consistent, game-to-game, you know, high-level creators in De'Aaron Fox and, and Demonis Sabonis. You need a third guy to just kind of fill in a little bit more of that gap because Malik doesn't do it every game. He, he's inconsistent in that way. And I think you just need a third creator. And he would he would help you on offense. He, his shooting numbers aren't great by any means. It's actually really bad. His shooting numbers, let me actually just look them up right now. Uh, let's see. Kyle Kuzma, Kyle Kuzma. Let's see. Yeah, he should, yeah, 21 points, 7 rebounds, uh, 3.7 assists, 0.5 blocks, 44.8%, 40, 33% from three. You would like to see that a little higher, but I think in a in an offense where he's mostly spotting up, I think that um I think that number will jump up. Um the one thing I do think he will help. I, I've read a lot of people that don't like Kyle Kuzma on defense. Now, I can understand why. He's been on Washington where, you know, no let's be honest, no one really plays defense. And they just kind of, they just kind of, they just kind of focus mostly on offense. And, you know, his, I assume his numbers have kind of dropped a little bit on the defensive end, but he is a legit decent defender. You know, he's, he's big, he's really, he's pretty long and he can hold up because he's got, because, because he's big, like he, you know, he's not going to get straight up, get punked. You'll have issues with him guarding the five, but like, you know, he's he can guard fours and some wings, some power wings who can't really bully him. I feel, I feel like he can help you on defense a lot more than people are, are going to give him credit for. He would he's probably the front runner, I think, at this point to make the Kings or to be on the Kings because of just, you know, it's just seemed, like with John Collins off the board with a lot of like different guys that I'm not all that jazzed about. Um, I just think like he kind of, he really does fit the Kings. And if he's willing to come to Sacramento, I'm more than willing to actually take him. Now the, the salary number is tricky. I feel like he's going to want, he's going to want 30 million. Fuck that. I'm not paying him that. (laughs) Um, somewhere around the 20 to 25 million would be great. Now we'll have to see, you gotta pay up. You gotta pay, you gotta be able to spend money. Um, or you gotta be willing to spend money on big free agents to lower them to Sacramento. Like, it's really cool to see like, you know, the Kings being talked about in, as a free agency destination, but it is still Sacramento. And like, you know, you have to pay more taxes here. It's not exactly the most attractive city by any means. And, you know, you're, you're going to be facing an uphill battle with like may, maybe other places that are just more attractive to players. Now, granted, those places don't have cap space like L.A., New York and those places. So, you know, you might you might actually be in the front running. Um, for just a you know a free agent that wants to come and wants to be part of a winner, so 
you know, the Kings are going to have as good of, good of a chance as they they'll ever have of signing a guy like Kuzma, and we'll see how things go. Um, as you know, once uh, the clock turns, um, once the clock turns, I believe six o'clock on Thursday or on Friday. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, next up on my list is Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant is interesting because I think he's really good. Like I I was one of the haters on him last year just because I thought. You know, I thought the the port, uh, the Trailblazers were a bit silly, thinking he was going to change stuff. Now, granted, he didn't really like completely change that team, but he is. I've watched him play. He is a very, very good player. You know, he's a six nine wing who can really score and really put up some put up some good numbers. He can shoot. He can space the floor, and you know, we've seen him before be able to play defense. He hasn't played much defense since he ever ever since he got traded or ever since he um. Ever since he went to Detroit and you know the Trailblazers, but the tool the tools are there, and he actually started out as a defensive player, and you know on the Kings his his offensive load is going to go down just because mostly it's going to be De'Aaron, uh, Malik, and Sabonis creating, and he can just kind of feast um, by being set up by those guys, and you know I feel like he would fit right in. The question, the real question with him is more or less. Can he get back to that defensive level? Like a lot of people like talk about him, like, you know, he's like definitively better than Kuzma. I, I don't know if that's the case anymore. Like if you want to make an argument about, oh, like Kuzma has been, you know, been just kind of wasting away on the Wizards. He's forgotten how to play defense. He doesn't care about defense. I don't know of how you can say that and, you know, look and say that Jeremy Grant is going to change when he comes to Sacramento. Because he Jeremy Grant's kind of been on the same track, if you think about it. Like he's been on losing teams. He's been able to put up really good numbers, and he's really shown that he can be a really like high-level offensive player. And you know po that possibly could scale to a good team. But he, the fact is, he hasn't really played that much defense since he's since he's left Denver. But you hope that he can get back to that level. But I feel like it's almost the same kind of risk that you're taking with a guy that hasn't played much defense and hoping that he plays defense in Sacramento, you know, the, notor the notoriously bad defensive team. So it's a bit risky, and but I'm willing to take a risk on him. The, the other kind of knock on him is that he doesn't rebound well. 4.5 rebounds, that's not great at all. And the Kings, the Kings do need someone to rebound. But... You know he is six. He is like six eight, six nine. He's big. You hope that like again with the offensive load taken off of him a little, like maybe he can focus more on rebounding. Let me just check his career stats. Has he ever been a good rebounder? Let me let me check. Jeremy Grant. Let's see. Basketball Reference. Live googling. You're at its best. So let's see his career high in rebounds is yeah he's around like four yeah he's not oh no 5.2 um in in his last year in okc so it's not great you probably want a better rebounder that's where kuzma pro probably will fit in a lot better but at the same time like i like jeremy grant's shooting numbers overall are so much are just better like across the board like 47 40 7 percent from the field um 40 percent from three let me wait Hold on, yeah, 40% from three. Uh, what's this? Yeah, 81% from the free throw line. Like, that's something that the Kings really need, too. Because, uh, yeah, they just have a lot of guys that can't hit free throws for some reason. It's just one of those things. 
And like they just drafted Kobe Jones, who's not a good free throw shooter either. So yeah, it, like it's actually kind of hard to pick between this two. Like you have a bit, I feel like you have a bit more offense with Jeremy Grant. And you might have a little bit more off or a little bit more defense with Kuzma, despite like what the popular belief is. Um, and yeah, lastly, the, the question, kind of the same question that uh, Kuzma has is that Jeremy Grant wants a lot of money. Now, are the Kings willing to kind of pony up that money? And is he worth it? Again, I'm kind of in the Kuzma range with him. Like I'm willing to go around 20 to 25 per year. I'm, I'm just... They're I, they're not thirty million dollar players in my opinion. I think you'd be crazy to kind of. I think Portland would be pretty crazy to bring him back on that number, and uh, you know I think twenty five is pretty fair value. Want to see how things turn out, but Jeremy Grant I think is a very good pick. Uh, let, let's get down to kind of some uh, cheaper guys. Uh, so Kelly Oubre is a really interesting one. Uh, let's check out his stats right here. Yeah, Kelly Oubre, 20 points, uh, 5.5 rebounds, 1.1 assists, 1.4 steals, 43% from the field, and 31.9% uh, from three. Not great efficiency numbers, but this is a guy that theoretically could fit a lot of the Kings' needs. You know, a long wing, He's, I believe he's like 6'7 with like a 7'2", 7'3 wingspan. He is long, and he is, a, and he is an active defender. Now, he's not exactly a lockdown defender by any means, but he is definitely a guy you can put on the other team's best player, and you can just have him wear that guy out, you know, slowly throughout the game. Like, he will be a pest. He will be annoying. He will, ma he will make it make the other guy work, and that's the most important part. The main, I, I've, I'm, really, I'm a real believer in him on offense, especially if, especially if he's willing to sign for, like, say, 10 million, 12 million, somewhere around the mid-level. But, but... The issue isn't really the defensive end. I think he's going to be really good on the defensive end. The offense is actually what concerns me, despite him scoring 20 points. He's a, he's pretty inefficient for the most part. And, you know, I, I watched him a little bit, not a lot, when he was with the Warriors. And he is a dumb motherfucker for the most part, is kind of the vibe that I get. So the, the issue with him on the Warriors was he's a guy that loves to get into his dance he loves to, you know, he, he he wants to score. That that's his mentality. He's not a guy that's going to be, you know, diming up guys. His instinct is to is to score first and kind of worry about other things like one point one assists. That is really really low, and he's just a guy that's just he he's he's out there to he's out there for himself. Although that might be a little bit unfair, but like he's he's out there to go get buckets. And he's not, but he's not exactly efficient enough to be a guy. You're just like, you're just okay with that. So it's just, you have, you're going to be kind of be a little risk, taking a little bit of a risk with him. And, you know, the off and like, you know, he's not a great shooter. Um, let me check his stats over like from year to year. I know he was really bad the year, the year he worked with the Warriors. Let me see. Kelly Oubre. He's been in the league for seven years. Well, Time really flies by. Yeah, his highest three-point percentage is 34%. Like, it's not great. And, but, like, he's a guy that, like, can't, he, he's definitely one of those guys that can really help you on defense, I think. But on offense is a bit of a question mark, despite some decent numbers and theoretically, like, fits on a lot of teams. Like, 
you know, he can get to the bucket. He can get to the bucket. He's long. He's a, like, you talk about like John Collins being a dog. This dude is crazy. Like he will do some crazy shit and he will be a pest and he will instigate. He will, he will fight dudes. Like the Kings could, like, I, I do agree with a lot of people saying the Kings do need a little bit more attitude. They got a little bit of that with, um, with Trey Lyles and they got a certain level of authority with Sabonis, who's just a big guy who has a commanding presence. Like, the Kings are not going to get pumped if you have a guy like Kelly Oubre on your team. He's a guy that will fight. Like he's not going to let he's not going to like you know let his teammates down that way. But it is a very um, but he he is a question mark on offense. He is a wild card. There we go. He's a real real wild card on on offense. And you know it, I like I like him as a budget as kind of a budget ver- version of a wing. Like if you can just give him like the mid level, I'm more than okay with that. Um, and also like, you know, we'll have to see what, you know, Mike Brown and Jay Triano say about him. Cause Jay Triano was there uh, with him when he was in Charlotte and Mike Brown was there with him in his lone year with the Warriors where it was a bit of a disaster. So, you know, it, he's, he's an interesting option that I would really want the Kings to look at. Okay. Speaking of wild cards, Dylan Brooks, look, I'll, I'll be honest. I've kind of soured on him a little bit because I've just listened to kind of just a few podcasts about just some of his issues um, during his time with the Grizzlies. And I'm, I'm very close to just straight up being out on him now, of course, like he may like, you know, maybe that's a humbling experience for him and he might be willing to kind of change his game a little bit and just, you know, play more to a team. But like, the main issue with him, like, let's just get out of the way. The main issue with him is offense. On offense, he takes god-awful shots and is not good at hitting them. He's very bad from the field. Third, under 40% and 32.6% from three. Like, it is atrocious at shooting numbers. But he is a very, very good defender. He is a, he is a guy that will, you know, be an irritant, will kind of bring that attitude about him. Although I do have doubts about that being as effective as it used to be because guys, I think the league kind of knows he's just kind of a guy that barks a lot and no bite, like in my opinion. Like he's not a guy that will really fight, if that makes any sense. Like he'll do some stuff to kind of piss people off, but he's not really about that life, I feel. I just I just feel like he, he, he kind of just, just, you know, he kind of shrunk in the moment a little bit, if you will. Like he, he he's not... I guess Patrick Beverly would be the best comparison, but he's definitely not a guy that will like actually throw hands. If that makes any sense. I think Draymond's kind of in that, in that mold as well, but like, I guess it works for him, but either way, the look, you're going to, he's going to improve the Kings on defense. The issue is on the offensive end and the stuff I've heard about him on, like the reason why things didn't work out with him on the Grizzlies was because they could not convince him to, well, basically he wanted more shots which that's fucking incredible. Um, he wanted more shots. He wanted just more, like, more control the offense. Well, not control the offense. He just wanted to be able to shoot more. He thought he had a lot more to uh, to offer, and he wanted big money. Like, apparently he wanted somewhere along the lines of, I think, 20, like, $24 million a year, which is pretty insane. Um, the, so, like, that's kind of why I'm out on him. Like, it seems to me he thinks he's, like, a great offensive player. He is not. And it's, I, like, 
I guess the next phase of his career is that will his new team be able to convince him like, look, you're not a good shooter. You're not a good off. You're not really a good offensive player. You're you're all right, but you take some god awful shots. Like your thing is you play defense and take whatever the defense gives you. Like can the next coach, his next team be able to convince him that? Look, I I made the I made the argument like if Coach Brown wants to win Coach of the Year back to back, getting Dylan Brooks on your team and making him play your way and make and just making sure he's not trying to do too much. Look, that's how that's how you win Coach of the Year. <laughs> like, you know, to be able to tame that beast and be able to make him listen to you, like that's an incredible feat, and just. You know, like Dylan Brooks is an interesting option if you can get him to change his game. I just I don't know if you can. Like this is a, this is definitely one of those head case guys, and I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of like that kind of attitude. Like, look, I thought I thought like the Grizzlies scapegoating him at the end of the season was bullshit, but at the same time there was a lot of there was a lot of crap with him. Like you know you just have all the incidents and then. Also, like, just him taking god-awful shots. He, he's good on defense. Like, look, don't get me wrong. He's not exactly, like, locked down by any means. But, like, he's a guy you can put on on a wing, and he's going to make him work. And he's going to do as well as he can. Like, he's going to leave everything he has out there. And, yeah, again, like, you talk about attitude. He will bring about an attitude. Um, and he will, he will give this team a bit of an edge. And, you know, like, the Kings really could use that edge. They could use the defense. And they could really, and hopefully, like, they can team, they can just, like, you know, get him to stop taking awful shots. Like, you know, he might end up averaging, like, eight points a game, like, seven, six points a game. But, like, he he could be part of a winner if he's willing to buy in. Or, like, he's been part, he's been part of a winner, but, like, he can really be an incredible piece to, to the Kings if he's willing to kind of dial back his offense. Like, you know. Look, Davion was willing to sacrifice this year. He needs to follow that blueprint. But the question is, will he listen? And I just, I cannot guarantee that he will. But I assume they're going to have those conversations before even considering resigning him. Like he is, he is a big wild card to me. So ultimately, I personally would probably just go with Kelly Oubre. Like if if Mike Brown and Jerry Triano are okay with it, but like Dylan Brooks is one is probably like the second option after that, if that makes sense. Like one of the, just another one of those, I guess, budget options. Like around the right around like twelve to fifteen million. I'm willing to pay him like twelve million, somewhere around the mid level, um, all the way up to fifteen per year. But like he's gonna like I'm not, nothing more than that. Not, we're definitely I don't think anyone's gonna give him what he wants unless the Houston really wants to go crazy. Uh, next one, you, you, I mean, you want to talk about budget options? Like I keep saying that, but like Jay Crowder, like he's a tough nosed player, um, a bit of an older vet. He, you know, he's gonna bring an edge. He's gonna play hard. He's not a he's not a great one on one defender, but he's a good team defender, and he can and he can get hot from three. He he's not a great option by any means, but he is a he is a guy. He is a wing sized guy. He will bring toughness, and he is a three and D guy. Even though like he's not really great at either one, but he is definitely a guy that can fill that role if need be. Um, Yuta Watanabe, like I really like him. Like he was one of the best three point shooters in the league uh, this year, and you know he's got some size. He plays hard. He's not ex- he's not great, but he's not exactly a great player by any means. But you know he seems like a great guy, great locker room guy. And he, he can contribute a little bit, and especially if put into the right situation. So I think he's a guy that, you know, like as a kind of like 
12th man 13th man i think that'd be great like he'll he'll be like budget budget he's kind of in the bargain bin i feel um you i think you can get him for and you know you, it doesn't hurt to have a guy like that on your bench you know in case you just need an extra kind of wing to fill in for an injury or just you know just be just be a just be a guy that's a that's always ready to play um Jalen McDaniels can kind of fill that void too. Like he's probably he's going to be more defensive oriented. As far from what I've seen from his offense, is pretty eh. I mean, he's kind of he's he's Jaden McDaniels' brother. He's kind of a poor poor man's version of his brother. Um, so you know that's another guy you can just kind of just plug in there in case you just need like a really big wing with some length to be able to be able to kind of change change things up a little bit. Um, overall like that's just that's just an option it's a, again a kind of in the bargain bin uh section of the wings um section um and then you know this is kind of the home run of home runs like this is you know go all in like you got you gotta just go for the home run swing um and there's you still might not have a chance to sign them but it's a bit of but is but you know one can dream um it is chris middleton now the size think may be a little bit concerning to me, but like he's around like six, 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 seven. So he'll probably be the three for this team. And you're probably going to move, move Keegan to the four, if that's the case, which I think that's probably his best position anyways. Um, you know, he's a real, he's a really, really good player. Okay. Like he's, you know, he's a multiple time all-star. I believe he's made all NBA before. I don't remember. But he's he's a he's definitely a bona fide star. He's a shot creator. He's you know he's decent. He's a decent passer, and he's shown to be able to get buckets at the highest level. Like he's they won a championship up like largely because he was able to make shots um, in crunch time for the Bucks. And you know he's a he's a good defender, and he just kind of fills every box that you need. Problem is he's gonna be expensive. He's, you're looking at basically using your entire cap space on him. You're, you're probably gonna lose Harrison in in the process of this, and you know. But ultimately, I think that is kind of the biggest swing you can take if he is willing to leave Milwaukee. Like he he is definitely a, he's definitely a huge upgrade over kind of the Harrison Barnes position, and then you have like just like incredible shot creation uh, as well, and. Like that could that could be like the championship like that can be a championship level team if they can somehow add Chris Middleton uh, to this roster. So, you know, I, I don't have that much more to say about him just because it's just such a long shot. Like he he he'll help you in every way. He'll help you on defense. He'll help you on offense. But it's just he's going to be expensive and he's going to take and he's more than likely just going to stay with Milwaukee. So you're going to do a lot to poach him away. So, but one can dream, right? Um, uh, one more option that I, that I just saw, like Cam Johnson, Cam Johnson is interesting to me. He's, he's definitely your like high level, high level, the three and D guy, the, like there, I don't have doubt that he can play. Like he can, he can definitely shoot. He's a very good shooter and he can play some good defense. The issue is he's not exactly a crazy long athlete. And I question his ability to really be able to do the in-between stuff and, you know, if the if the Kings want to take the next step, if they're gonna let Harrison Barnes go, they need a guy to be able to fill in that role and be better. I don't know if Cam Johnson is definitively better than Harrison Barnes, because, like, look, as much as we ridicule Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes can put the ball on the floor and kind of create a little bit. 
I have not watched enough games of Cam Johnson to make me believe that he can actually do that. Like he's he's a great like spot up shooter. He's a he's a really he's a pretty like solid defender. But it's kind of everything in between that I question. I just I just don't know if you want to throw a lot of money at him. Like you're talking like 20 million per year, 25 million per year. Like for a guy that almost I feel like at his best position is exclusively at the play shooting from three and you know playing defense and you know hopefully he can give you something in between but that's it's a little rich for me for a guy that like really limited to those things i might be wrong i haven't seen enough cam johnson games but that's kind of my impression of him just a very high level three and d and then just the in between just isn't really there now if you're talking about mikhail bridget that's a whole other story but ain't, ain't no fucking way you get <laughs> ain't no fucking way the kings are getting them so um yeah so that's kind of my thoughts on these guys um, guys that the Kings can add to the team. But of course, they can just go back to the well, and it definitely isn't dry yet by any means. You can just re-sign Harrison Barnes. Like Harrison Barnes was very serviceable as your three slash four, one of your wings. Like he's been he's really been underrated his entire time here in Sacramento in terms of kind of the stability he brings to that position. Like just as the consummate professional, just kind of being that stabilizing force at the wing position for so many years. Like, you know, he's been through a lot. Like, a lot of people kind of really, like, threw a lot of hate at him because, well, he he wasn't able to carry the team. Well, that's not what Harrison Barnes does. He's a guy that fits on, that, like, fits very well on a good team when he's, like, the fourth or, you know, fifth option. And... You know, he does a lot of little things that, you know, the, the naked eye just doesn't catch. Like, he plays solid defense. He's a, so, he's a solid shooter. He's solid moving moving off the ball. He's just he's a solid everything. Nothing really stands out about him. There's not a lot of sexiness to his game. And, you know, a lot of people just kind of mi- kind of miss the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest, however that, however that saying goes. He's a very good player, and I think a lot of people lose sight of that and just kind of focus on his um, kind of his weaknesses, which is he's not like exactly a star. He's not exactly going to wow you or change your life, but he is a stable. He is a stable player that every good team has and needs. And you know, bring him back isn't the worst option, but you probably will still need to add something to kind of to kind of sup either supplement the wing position. Or someone to honestly push him to the bench position, which I don't even know if he'd be okay with that. Like, you know, in order for this team to take the next step, they need to add something to that position because, like, as it stands right now, like, if they would just re-sign Harrison Barnes and kind of run the team back with a starting lineup of De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, um, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, and, uh, and Sabonis... Like, you're ultimately still a very small team for the most part, like, particularly on the wings. Like, you need size at that four position uh, unless you can get, a unless you can get, like, a guy like OG who can, like, basically be your power forward or be, or, you know, guard any wing out there. Like, that's kind of the dream where you can, the dream is basically to be able to get a player that can kind of push I guess like the ideal way is to like push Harrison to the bench and just make, just kind of be able to, cause I think that's the position ultimately we need an upgrade in. Harrison is very much serviceable in that situation, but you still need a guy 
at that position that can that can you know handle the bigger forwards in the league like one of one of my like one of my memories about this about uh, the bean team last year was just them just getting dominated by size like they struggle with guys like you know uh with Giannis and then they struggle with the guys like with a guy like Julius Randle like they just don't have size at that position and poor Harrison Barnes is put out there just to kind of act as a body to get dunked on or like bully a lot of time like you just need a an upgrade at that position and then you can hopefully have Harrison supplement that now you have like essentially a surplus of wings so and that's the kind of position I think the Kings need to focus in and I hope that like with all this uh space that they opened up and the fact that they passed on John Collins hopefully they have something in the in the works like maybe it is Kuzma I'll be okay with Kuzma maybe it's Jeremy Grant I'll be cool with Jeremy Grant or just another wing guy like I want to see what Monty does here like he's opened up cap space there was definitely hope hopefully there was a plan here and I I've seen enough where I think there was very much a plan or there there is a plan and it's just taking some time to come to fruition because you still need to pass a deadline and do all that do all that garbage where you pretend like you've never talked to the players and you just come to an agreement within like five seconds <laughs> uh, when the clock starts. So, you know, hope like, I really hope that Monty has something in store for us and, you know, he's going big, big fish hunting, which could be OG and Obi. It could be maybe something bigger that I'm not even thinking of. Like, you know, it, it it's like, it, there's a lot of possibilities and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they do on uh, free agency night. Really looking forward to it. It's weird to see. Like, I, I have, well, I guess I predicted this at the beginning of the season. Like, if the Kings were going to be successful, they like, if they're going to have a successful season, it will change the outlook on, on Sacramento. Like, I always compare, like, my mind, like, the goal was for them to be, you know, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves of last year. Not, not before they traded for Rudy Gobert where you have one winning season and it completely flips the perception of your team. Now, like uh, free agents are willing to come at like the minimum, like, you know, he didn't really change the team by any means, but like Austin Rivers willing to take the minimum to play for that team. And then you have like them being able to sign Kyle Anderson. Like those are like good, like players who've been in the league for a while. They know what they're doing and they're able to contribute to winners. And, it it just it means a lot when like those guys like consider like not only consider but actually sign there and i feel like that's what's happening in sacramento right now you had the report about bradley beal like being willing to waive his no trade clause like he would he actually considered like if he was traded to sacramento to waive his no trade clause that means something and like the fact that they're able to be a player like with cap space to be able to sign free agents and free agents being willing to come here like for the right reasons that is the most important part like they're not just here for a big payday and then just you know chill until retirement like say well like george hill didn't do that he just wanted the money to come here <laughs> like it's not for that they're actually trying they're actually probably going to come here to try and win and that's really exciting i want to see what like monty is able to do this they've been really proactive and like he's done enough to the point where i'm gonna say like they're gonna he's gonna pull something off and I'm going to be really, really interested in uh, to see what's happening. Uh, one quick little update. OG Ananobi has apparently parted ways with Clutch Sports. I don't know what that really means. I guess that means the Clutch Gang is probably not going to be formed in Sacramento, which is disappointing. But 
let's see what happens. Maybe he's switching to another agent. Maybe they get an extension from uh, from Toronto, or like maybe they're they're gonna really try and try. Or maybe he's gonna hire an agent that's really gonna push for a trade out of Toronto. So we'll we'll see we'll see what that means. Okay. Uh, just two quick stories. So, like, John Collins uh, finally to Utah for a Rudy Gay and a second-round pick. John Collins finally gets out of Atlanta after just so many years of just being perpetually on the trade block. I thought it was really funny that um, that Zach Harper brought up on the basketball buds, or maybe it was point of contention, where basically he said, the, like, OG, Miles Turner, it'd be so funny if, like, those guys were just traded for each other somehow. Like, that was the only way that could end. That would have been hilarious. That was not to be. Instead, um, John Collins was traded to traded to Utah, again, for Rudy Gay and a second-round pick. Like, congrats to my man, John Collins. I like John Collins. He's been, he's been under, he's been, he's been through a lot where, you know, you're constantly in trade rumors. There's just no way you can truly focus on the game. He had a really bad year last year. Even when he played against the Kings, he was really bad. And he had like a mangled finger. Like it, it, I imagine it finally kind of got to him. And then like the physical injuries really didn't help. I hope he really, I really hope he has a bounce back in Utah. And, you know, like, I think he's a good player. Albeit probably a little bit overpaid, but like, I, I think he, I think he's very much worth that contract. And hopefully he can kind of rehab his image, rehab his uh, value around the league. And just, you know, kind of get away from get away from that Atlanta situation. Get away from Trey Young. Have a fresh start in Utah. And maybe maybe they trade him again. Like, maybe they trade him to the Kings um, for something. Um, and, you know, like, that that could be interesting. Uh, so, but, yeah, um, my second, second and last point with this is the idea of signing a guy that you perceive as good for big money and just trading him later. I hope that I hope that way of thinking is is gonna just go bye bye for, for for now, just because, you know, like I remember the big thing with like you know the Kings letting Bogey go, like and I I sort of agree with uh, James Ham's take on it, like you just don't let talent like that get, get away. You pay him whatever you want, and like if it doesn't work out, you can trade him later. Well, we've had two situations where that's happened. Granted, the Bradley Beal situation is a unique situation because he had a no trade clause and he literally could addict, could dictate where he wanted to go and essentially dictate what return the, the Wizards were going to get. But like the same thing with John Collins. They had said that this guy's good and if you want to trade him, you know, you can get good value. Well, you got a second round pick. And apparently it's going to be a really bad second round pick. I forgot how they explained it, but like, you know, you assume Utah's going to be good for a, for a bit. And like the, the pick probably isn't even theirs. Like, I, I don't know. I forgot the science behind it, but like, oh, that's all you got. So let, I, I guess it's just time to poo poo that idea where you're just saying like, oh yeah, you can be uh, like, you know, just sign a guy to big money and you can trade him. Like it's, it's been two cases already where like, you know, you sign a guy to big money, he becomes a negative value contract, and you just cannot trade the guy. You can, you just have to get off of him, uh, get off the money because you know the Atlanta, I believe, was close to I believe the second apron. I honestly don't fully know what that means, but they had to shed salary, and all they got back was a, a second round pick and Rudy Gay. It's just 
it's a sad it's a sad like it's a sad sight <laughs> like where sean went went for went for a, a first round pick like and john collins goes for a second like it's a bit depressing but i think ultimately like it's sometimes you got to be able to weigh your option you have to weigh your options more like it, it, the 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 strategy of signing a guy to big money and just hoping to trade him later not a great idea as has been proven like a little bit now so yeah just want to talk about that um also uh last thing we'll talk about before we get out of here um nas reed resigned for three years 42 million uh with the minnesota timberwolves so that's an option off the board i like nas reed i would have liked to see him in sacramento but alas he's gonna stay in minnesota and he's probably gonna back up carl anthony towns and rudy gobert and we'll see how that um see how that um combination works okay well that's all i have on my doc on my notes um there's there's a i guess we can talk a little bit about wrestling i did watch forbidden door i really enjoyed the event um the wrestling was really really good i really liked the the elite uh ricky starks and i think it was uh, what's his name Tom, Tomohiro Ishii, like I really like that um, versus I believe FT, not no not FTR, oh, who they face? Oh, the uh, Blackpool Combat Club and uh, was it Konosuke Takeshita and uh, something Umino. That was a fun match. Um, the match like the match with um, Kenny Omega and Will Osprey. That was an amazing match. I don't know if they needed to bleed as much as they did like i've been kind of conditioned with like this new age wwe that you just don't need blood blood does add an element but i feel it is a bit unnecessary but it was it was an incredible match like you just have you know like one of the issues i do have with uh with like the forbidden door idea it's the idea of just having dream matches unfortunately a lot of these a lot of the time when you have these dream matches that just couldn't usually like cross promotion dream matches is that you there usually isn't that much of a story going in going into these matches and that was the kind of the i guess the only criticism i have there isn't that much of a story is that now i know kenny omega beat him at wrestle kingdom i believe earlier this year and you know th that's a story but there isn't that emotional connection to me now granted the ending was pretty pretty amazing like kenny kicking out like of, of the one-winged angel at one like that was a really cool moment but there just isn't that you know story to it like and then later on like um um what was it called brian danielson versus uh kazuchika, kazuchika okada there was a story within the match like you know daniel bryan wanted to wanted to you know break essentially break uh okada's arm and you know like that's a great story on its own and like he ended up tapping which was a shocking finish but like there isn't like backstory to that like what made roman and sammy and like the entire bloodline storyline there's a lot of backstory with this there's a lot of if you will lore to to that to kind of just every everything like in, within that storyline and then like there's the build like roman is incredible at building atmosphere around him like you know that I, I don't like like how his matches are slow but you you can't deny they build story and they build like anticipation where like you know each punch makes just you know means more like you don't need to do flippy shit 
like granted i love the flippy shit that they did like the young the young bucks as much as i don't like them they are very exciting to watch like with some of the like the don't the tag team moves they do the super kick party and like will osprey and kenny omega they do some crazy stunts but like the way the reason why the bloodline storyline is so great and why it's the greatest storyline with creating some of the greatest matches the the backstory the lore just the the meaning behind everything is so deep and i feel like that's what wrestling is and forbidden door great dream matches but i'm more psyched for was is it all out or double or nothing i don't know which one is that is in london um upcoming but like i feel like that show's going to be bigger because there's going to be like you know you know very there's going to be well-told stories going into that going into that show hopefully like you know it's been told over years and not through twitter and all that garbage <laughs> like you know on tv there's a lot of backstories of that kind of stuff and you know like that's the only thing missing for for from forbidden door in my opinion there just isn't that story element to a lot of the matches and you know i don't know if they can ever fix that like you know it but it is fun to see a lot of dream matches um yeah that's kind of that's my wrestling take i guess for the week um we'll see more coming along i'm excited for money in the bank look i i haven't talked about this on the podcast i love la Knight. like he he's amazing he's amazing on the mic his catchphrase is amazing like yeah and it's it, he he's a star i don't know about him being world champion the only thing is like you can make him u.s champion like he can be the guy to dethrone um uh, dethrone austin austin i almost said austin rivers austin theory like that'd be that'd be a great pop that'd be a great moment and he can kind of carry that he can kind of like you know lead that division and like i'm not sure about him being a main event or by any means like it doesn't have much to do with his age i just don't know if he can really be that be the guy um but like you just like i don't know if he needs to win money in the bank i do not want logan paul to win money in the bank by the way i think that's a stupid idea um, I I would rather prefer Damian Priest win it or like LA Knight win it. Like I love LA Knight and Damian Priest is really good. And just so, yeah, really excited for that event. So yeah, that will be my um, uh, that's gonna be my wrestling take of the week. So yeah, hopefully next episode of Fong is back and you know we'll do we'll do an episode like probably right before free agency and then we'll have another one recapping it. After all, after the dust, the dust kind of settles. We'll maybe wait a day or two for that. So we'll definitely do an episode before free agency, and then we'll do one after. So that's going to be the plan, and then we'll kind of just go from there. Okay, thank you guys for listening to this one. Um, yeah, ho hopefully Fawn will be back, and hopefully you've enjoyed me just kind of riffing um, just about free agency. Uh, in whatever case, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Thank you guys for listening. I'll catch you guys back on the next one.